Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we bring you home on Memorial Day weekend. And this used to be, Robin, kind of like my favorite weekend because I felt like nothing ever happened and it was like... Those days are gone. The Universal just (laughs) shut down. Now, to be fair, Nebraska will not host any visitors this weekend. They're going to take this weekend off because they're literally going to host visitors the next four weekends in a row. Um, you know, it's going to be crazy, but yeah, it used to be Memorial day was like, you know what? I'm going to get the trigger out and, mm-hmm. and just relax. Now we will go to the pool. We'll get out and, and, um, do some stuff this weekend with the kids. And, um, you maybe would have Nebraska baseball playing in a conference tournament. Yeah, that would have been nice. So we're going to be stuck watching, uh, big 10 baseball without Nebraska and Omaha this weekend. Yeah. We'll see if, how much of that I actually watch, but certainly we'll find time to, uh, celebrate or enjoy the holiday. I should say. Enjoy. All right. Well, it's still been busy for Nebraska, Robin. Um, they've added two new players to this roster. Uh, the growing tally is now up to 33 scholarship additions. That's crazy for 2022. And, you're like, what does that mean? We well, have 85. So 32 of your 85 are going to be brand new players on your 85 man chart. It's really remarkable. And Stefan Wynn Jr. from Alabama, the defensive lineman, he committed early in the week, joined his teammate, Kane Williams, the defensive back. So they've got two former Alabama guys added. And then later in the week, Marcus Washington a former Rivals 250 wide receiver out of St. Louis, Trinity Catholic. By the way, no longer open Trinity Catholic. Mm. Um, We've seen a few of those big St. Joseph's in Chicago closed too over the pandemic, but uh, Trinity Catholic closed down. But he went to Texas, comes with two years of eligibility. So Wynn and Washington, two additions, two years of eligibility. Wynn's a no-brainer to me. I I think they like this is a take. No matter what no day doubt. of the week. I like maybe the top position of need or one of the top positions of need. I think Washington's a little bit more debatable mm-hmm. um, based on the need, um, based on his production. Um, you know, at Texas, you know, what, he, he played a lot of snaps, 436 snaps, I believe is what I tracked him at on Pro Football Focus, um, and had 17 catches. So it wasn't like he was on the field a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was on the field more than Omar Manning was last year for Nebraska, which is the most snaps played by a returning Husker wide receiver. But I think there's some other angles on this one, Robin. You got number one, the St. Louis angle. Nebraska's been literally over in St. Louis. Um, the last guy they got was Trey Bryant. It's been that long um, since they've signed a St. Louis football player. And this is obviously a guy that's big name in St. Louis. His family's connected down there. He knows people. Um, so Kenny Wilhite was involved in that. Um, you had Mickey Joseph, who's now recruiting St. Louis, I think kind of sign off on it. 
and he announced his commitment to Nebraska on Tuesday. So uh, they get Marcus Washington added to this mix, and and they're going to try to kind of shake out this wide receiver room now. How much of that, too, did Casey Thompson have a, a say in that? I mean, obviously Texas quarterback, Texas wide receiver reunited in Nebraska. Did you think that had any influence in this whatsoever? Yeah, I do. I, I think Casey Thompson, just having a guy that he's familiar with on the roster, um, you know, and, and he was a big advocate. We haven't seen Casey be a big advocate of too many things on social media so mm -hmm. far. And mm -hmm. he was retweeting and liking and highly engaging in, in conversation about Marcus Washington. So, um, you know, they know each other. They were together for three years at the University of Texas. I think the big question now is, look, I think we, you and I agree, Trey Palmer's the number one guy. He's the featured wideout on this football team. Then that conversation of two through four, mm -hmm. um, you've got probably, you know, you've got Omar Manning. You've got now Washington. Oliver Martin. Oliver Martin. Alante Brown. Alante Brown and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. Mm -hmm. um, so there is a lot of guys that are going to vie for that two, three, four in that mix, and then don't forget about um, the newcomer, particularly Janiron Bonner. I really think he could, um, you know, find a, a niche role on this team based on what the coaches think of him right now. So the wide receiver position room, um, you know, they've got what really feels like six veteran guys now, though. I mean, and I do, I do when I look at it now like this. Um, you have a pretty good top six, and that's not even including like Brody Belt, who has a role in this mm -hmm. team. Yeah, and they have coaches have made it clear he is going to play. In, Don't in shoot capacity. the messenger. Exactly. <laughs> I know to the chagrin of some people, but like, he's a good player. He's a good player. Yeah, like he, he's a good football player. Like he does his he, job. He can do a lot of different things yeah. for you. He can help your team. So no. anyway, that's our Brody Belt feature for the spring. Um, what I want to know is, I mean. For me, going into this offseason, even coming out of the spring, I would have put wide receiver at probably the lowest on the priority list as far as needing to make an addition. Now, obviously, you mentioned the need to, you know, get some good graces back in the St. Louis area, you know, maybe rekindle some relationships there. So there's there's value in that long term. Obviously, the connection with Casey Thompson, there's value in that to have that inherent uh, chemistry between quarterback and one of your wide receivers. But Again, you're already, what are they, three over right now? I know that'll all shake itself out, but you know the numbers were already kind of a balancing act, and you're taking a, a receiver in a receiving core where you already have a lot of numbers, and you also potentially run the risk of uh, maybe creating a little uh, discontent in, in that room with guys that felt that they were on track to play, and now all of a sudden you're going and bringing in the quarterback's friend from his old school, and that's probably going to take snaps away from somebody. So, I mean, are you worried about maybe the, the cons of this addition, just given the numbers, then given the, maybe some of the the off-the-field stuff that might might occur? Yeah, there's all, always a lot there because I, I do look at Marcus Washington as a guy that's going to come with expectations oh, yeah. and, and a personality. He's not just going to be a quiet guy. I mean, I think in his relationship with Thompson is going to be big. And will that get him more throws mm -hmm. in situational stuff, you know, where – it's kind of a 50-50 type decision. Is he going to get those throws more because of the familiarity with Casey? So it will that dynamic, yeah, when he gets here. Uh, I have not talked to Marcus Washington. He has not returned or responded personally to, to reporters. So it's hard to know how all this played out, what went into the decision for him to pick Nebraska. I can tell you Purdue told him no. Uh, Purdue moved on. Mm. Um, and that's coming directly from our good friend Tom Deanhart at Golden Black. Um, that they had moved on, and it was really Nebraska and Utah 
for Marcus Washington. But yeah, they're at 88 scholarships and they're three over. They're also going to bring in Taylor Lewis on Wednesday. Hmm. So he will not come in this weekend. He's in Arkansas here late in the week. Then he's already been to Oregon State. He'll tentatively go to Nebraska um, next Wednesday. Now the question is, will Arkansas let him leave campus without committing? Um, Maybe maybe they'll lock him up before he gets here. I don't know. Um, But, yeah, you, you ask yourself, why would they take another defensive lineman? And I think some of it might have to do with kind of the guys on the back end. You look at Masai Newsom, Marquise Black, Jalen Weaver. I've heard good things about Ruquan Buckley. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brody Tagaloa, the end, no one's there. They don't have much. I mean, the front end is good for a year, but the reality, Robin, they're going to have to keep taking portal D linemen for the next year or two. I know. I mean, that's kind of the situation they're in. And I guess right now, you know, you do what you have to do because of how critical this coming season is and you worry about surviving the, the long-term effects later but yeah i mean at some point you know you're gonna have to try to establish some traditional depth there um and and develop guys as opposed to just getting you know one or two year rentals and i guess that's a good thing about win i mean the fact that he's got two years and so you know you at least get some sort of stability there but you know I go back to the to the Washington thing you know we're looking at pros and cons here all and like disrupting the chemistry of that room for me, all that matters is if he's good enough and he beats somebody out, so be it. I mean, right now, you're at a win-at-all-cost mode um, if, for Nebraska and the staff that if you get a guy out there that you think can make your team better, I mean, you take him. Even if it's not a priority position, even if you're running the risk of um, you know, maybe some, some drama in the locker room, you know, I, if he can make your team better, he's going to help you win games. That is all that matters right now, and you worry about all that other stuff later. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk some more Big Ten stuff, the elimination of divisions and other things happening out there. Uh, We'll also talk with Robin on the latest basketball as uh, more of the roster things have come to fruition. And Abby Barmer will join us here later in the show as well with the mailbag. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. And forgot to mention this, Robin. Out of the gates, but before we get to that, I want to make sure uh, the segment is brought to you by the 2022 Air Lingus College Football Classic in Dublin, Island, when Nebraska will take on Northwestern in Aviva Stadium. Robin's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Uh, looking forward to the week of coverage. We're going to bring you on Husker Online in Ireland, but you, my friend, can still be with us in Ireland as uh, still time. It is not too late. You heard Brendan Meehan, the commercial director of the game, on with me last week. You can still get on Huskers to Ireland. You can book a package. Plenty of ticket options left. There's lots of airfare things still available. Not too late. So if you want to make this trip out to Dublin, visit huskers2ireland.com. But the big like non-football story of the week, and it this this is like one of those ones that just kind of organically blew up nationally. Yes. Nebraska will no longer be releasing balloons, at least providing yeah, balloons. Providing the balloons to be released. Um for the first touchdown. And 
that has been a Cornhusker tradition, and I, I'd like to know when it started. Like, I did it start in the eighties, the seventies, and I mean, it's been decades. I know that. I don't. I think somebody said it like maybe forty years, something like that. But this is like Trev Albert's Bill Byrne moment when Bill Byrne tried to like cancel Herbie Husker. Yes, I remember that. And then they came back with like a new like revived version that was supposed to be like an in shape. Yes. Because they, they thought Herbie Husker was like some like dumpy, like fat farmer stereotype of the farmer. Yeah. But now like it's cool to have that one. on Exactly. Your shirt. I mean, like I mean, the, they're, they're rebranding everything with the old Herbie logo. The so, retro. Yes. So retro is cool. But figure. anyway, the balloons. My question is this. Are they going to allow people to still bring balloons in the stadium? Because if not, why not have like businesses use it as a way to like. Yeah. I like, mean, I think as long as. Nebraska doesn't have to pay for it, and they're not going to get yelled at by environmentalists for <laughs> releasing balloons into the, the air. You know, well, it's not their problem. They can't stop people from bringing in balloons. I mean, give me a break. Like, what's to stop, like, Union Bank or Sandhills Global or somebody yeah. to say, you know what, we're going to have a balloon marketing budget of ten or 20000 bucks, and we're going to provide balloons to keep this tradition going. We're going to print our logo on them and hand them out to people. And you might find one of our logos in California <laughs> when the balloon lands. <laughs> Depending on which way the wind's blowing, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that is a very real scenario. Somebody is, I mean. Because there's enough people upset about this that somebody's going to step up and do something. And this would be your chance to really get some splash, like to be the hero. Absolutely. The, the company or the business person that saved the balloon tradition. And I do need to talk to Steve Rosen. This might be an idea for him in June as a big red business, like mm -hmm. how much money was being spent? How many balloons were being yeah, bought? Like, like was the cost of helium really that big of an issue? Well, it, I mean, most of it comes from Russia, mm -hmm. but I can tell you there's still helium because we had a birthday party last week and we had helium balloons in my living room. Party city is fully stocked on. Helium. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you pay a little bit more just like everything else in the yeah. world. So no balloons, um, you know, my kids have been to a couple of Husker games now, and, and that was something they enjoyed was getting the balloon and really oh, yeah, releasing. Yeah, and so, I mean, I, I get it, and I get also why Nebraska, for whatever reason, you know, just doesn't want to, like, be the distributor of the balloons. But, again, they're not going to, like, it, it makes no sense for them to, like, actively stop people from third-party sourcing those balloons. I mean, I think that's a really easy solution to this problem. And... You know, if I'm Trev, if that if somebody's going to do that, maybe a booster or somebody the substance in the program, you would be wise not to get in a way because mm -hmm. then you might end up upsetting someone that gives money to the <laughs> program too. I think it was what was a channel eight put out that clip of the guy getting interviewed. So I think Trev should be fired for this. To be quite honest with you, I wonder if that guy's on our website. <laughs> he probably is. Is that you, Western Nebraskan? <laughs> it all makes it's all coming together now. But uh, transitioning, Robin, let's talk um, Big Ten schedules and Big Ten media rights. We're going to learn kickoff times on May 26th. So coming up here um, yeah. this week, mm -hmm. um, so we'll have a better idea. But we, we don't know the future of the Big Ten scheduling going forward. And I think it's all but a done deal that they're going to eliminate divisions. Um, I don't know what that means, um, how they're going to do it. But – I think the safe money is everyone's going to get at least three locked-in games. The question I have is three going to be enough to service everybody's trophy games? Yeah, because there's a lot of them out there. I mean, like Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin themselves have like 
six different trophies that they play for. But like the wasn't Michigan and Minnesota a trophy mm-hmm. game? And yeah, I mean, there's like a jug, a pig, an axe. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing some things there, but I know there's the the old oaken bucket. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, like every game has a trophy. Did Nebraska and Wisconsin have a trophy? Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> I always forget about it every year when Wisconsin trots it out. They Nebraska, created the trophy Nebraska after never Nebraska won beat yeah. Wisconsin. But Nebraska beat Wisconsin in 2012. The trophy, that was before the trophy was Before invented. the Freedom Trophy. Yes. Yes, that's what it is. The Freedom Trophy. So the Heroes Trophy and the Freedom Trophy. And then the broken chair. And then the, which for whatever reason will not be sanctioned by the university. I don't know why. There there is a grassroots group that like has worked hard. That's like one of the coolest trophies out there. Like every Minnesota game week I get an email from the grassroots group like to promote and and it's charitable. They give money. Um now the Heroes Trophy, I believe it's got a new sponsor too. Yeah, I think Hy-Vee they're they're out yeah <laughs> they they moved on there's so there's a i forget who the new sponsor yeah, I is do too. um but anyway the divisional talk everyone's getting rid of them pac 12 got rid of them mountain west got rid of them acc is getting rid of them yeah you think the sec will get rid of divisions i mean i think eventually everybody's hand is going to be forced on this because it's going to create the best path to maximize your chances of getting multiple teams into the playoff. I think divisions hinder you just with the way that they're set up. They're going to keep teams geographical divisions. Yeah. They're going to keep teams with lessen their chances of playing marquee enough games to make strong enough playoff resumes. And when you eliminate those, you give yourself a, a broader chance and more opportunities. And even if they start incorporating some of the, you know, different ideas like you were talking about where like the last couple weeks of the season are maybe like flex games where they could, you know, kind of like the end of the 2020 season where you pit it based off seasons, see seedings to uh, give yourself the best marquee matchups to essentially have a, a built-in semifinal for your conference championship game. So there's a lot of ways they can go about it. Um, but certainly I think that the old model of tradition is just, it, it does not work with the current college football playoff model. You're listening here to the Husker online show and then with t- television networks, we will know this summer where that's going to go. But I, I just have a hard time. I wrote this this week in our chat that CBS is not. I, I think they're going to be in this thing. I, I, that's just my feeling. Um, CBS lost the SEC. They had the 230 window. They were allowed to do two double headers a year where they had a night game as well. Two primetime games on, on, on uh, CBS. I just have a feel that CBS is going to go all in to get somebody. And if I'm the big 10, what's can ABC even properly service all these leagues and give them enough windows? Cause they they have the sec. Now they have the ACC, they have big 12, they have pac 12. Like if you're the big 10, why would you want to be squeezed into that ABC sandwich where you're always going to get pushed out for Georgia or Alabama or Clemson um, for the better spots, big noon kickoff. That's a done deal. That's always going to be with the big 10 and the big 12, you know, I wonder, I wonder about the Big 12, though. Like, how many, when Texas and Oklahoma go, mm-hmm. what's their big noon outlook look like? Because big noon is about big ratings. Yes. and It's like the reverse primetime game. Like. Yeah. And so, well, but the Big 12, they, Fox is going to be involved. Mm-hmm. My biggest question, though, is if ABC doesn't take Big 10 games, can the Big 10 still have games on the other ESPN networks? Are they going to be fully off ESPN? Mm-hmm. If you go to CBS and then use Fox, Fox Sports 1, BTN, is that enough? Or do you need still to have ESPN 2 and ESPN um, as carriers as well? Yeah, potentially. Well, then there's CBS Sports Network, too. 
but that that just seems like you're really cutting out numbers and yeah, ratings. I agree. It should be it's notable um, as of recording time. Uh, CBS just claimed the Penn State Auburn game, so they're already trying to get. Their, well, Penn State Auburn is a would SEC. That, would game. that be the SEC title? Yeah, that's an S. The SEC still has the deal with CBS, and any home game in their stadium is one of their games. So yeah, the Big Ten thing wouldn't happen until a couple years from now. Okay, um, and that's when the Big money comes through for the Big Ten. So um, lots to talk about. Uh, when we come back, the year in sports is done for Nebraska. <laughs> it wasn't exactly what a, year a it was. uh, great year to remember, but we'll, we'll recap this year and, and what 2022 slash 2023 looks like. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and the 2021-22 Husker sports year is in the books. And that wraps up the second. <laughs> it's, uh, yes, <laughs> and that is. Um, you know, there, there, there was some good things about this year, but, you know, I, I think when you talk about sports years for Nebraska, it's, it's measured by number one football, number two basketball, and football had its worst year in modern-day history, almost 100 years or it, like the 40s or what, the 30s or whatever it was. Yeah, since Bill Jennings. And then, obviously, uh, basketball was 13th, right, in the Big Ten? Mm-hmm. Big. Yeah, that late surge saved it from being maybe one of the worst seasons ever, so <laughs> narrowly escaped it with a miraculous three-game ending of the year. But uh, all in all, it was a another disastrous season for Nebraska basketball, a football season filled with groin kick, knife-turning losses at the very end, and then a baseball season that uh, capped it off, that came in with such high expectations that fell so flat they didn't even make the conference tournament. Well, everything... With football, though, like every metric about this team, other than wins and losses, show that they should have won. It's like a Mike Riley. If you take away the final score. Yeah, all that matters <laughs> is wins and losses. But if you just look at like metrics and numbers and oh, yeah. data, this was a team that should have won seven or eight games minimum. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who truly beat the crap out of Nebraska? Not Ohio State, not Michigan. Not Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I mean, they played some damn good teams. Michigan and State. Michigan State, no. I mean, Nebraska held them to no first downs in the second half of that entire football game, and they lost the game, which I bet you if you studied a 1,000 football games, that's never happened before. No. Ever. No, and that's what made them such an anomaly. Like, the, like the analytics guys like that dive into that really stuff, like we're just fascinated with how Nebraska could be 3-9, and nine, but – all the metrics suggest they were such a better team than that. One, well, what, what the most maddening thing was like probably the three most thorough beatings were against teams that you thought Nebraska should have always beaten mm-hmm. Illinois, Purdue, and Minnesota. Illinois, Nebraska made that a one score game. Um, I believe it was eight points, right? Yes, 30 um, 22. But that, that they, they jumped up big on Nebraska on that little run. And then they made the Purdue game interesting late. 
but Purdue dominated and executed at such a high level. I mean, they they ran, you know, they didn't have any big plays, but it was like every throw was a perfect six, seven yard throw. Death by a thousand paper cuts. And Minnesota um, stuck it to Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska scored late, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Game to make it one score. Yeah, it was 30-23. But that was a two-score game late, and Nebraska scored a cheap one late. Mm -hmm. So, But those were like the three worst losses where, you know, then you had good losses, and then you had shake-your-head losses. Iowa would be a shake-your-head loss. Absolutely. 21-3 to lead? Absolutely. Was it 21-3? to Yeah. Yes. So Iowa won twenty eight twenty one and that was because a safety. Yes. They had the well they had a block punt or something like that. Well they blocked a punt and scored a touchdown. Yes. So yeah, everything that you could have thought of went <laughs> wrong. But yeah, outlook now going forward. I mean, on the women's side, a great year. I mean volleyball, um women's basketball. Women's basketball made the tournament. Softball. Softball made the tournament. So you had three of your top women's sports all succeed. Um gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Uh, men's gymnastics had a good year. Mm-hmm. They were in the final group. Now, men's, I think there's only like 18 gymnastics teams for men's, but Nebraska was in the top five of that. Right. Wrestling. Um, you know, Mark Manning's team had a really good year in wrestling this year. Yeah, they had a disappointing finish, though. I know that. Like in Big Tens, they they did not do as well as they hoped. So, yeah, there, there were a lot of uh, positive things, but all we talk about is football. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and football was uh, really set the tone for the entire year, really, for on the men's side, where uh, you know they they should have been much better than they were, and then that basketball carried right over, and there were such high expectations with um, you know this this heralded roster that Fred Hoiberg was able to put together, and then they go out and lose their season opener to Western Illinois, and that just got the whole season off to a negative foot, and it never got any better until the very end when it was far too little, too late. So. I mean, and then baseball, you know, kind of like I said, being the, the real unexpected cherry on top there where, you know, they, they were coming off a conference championship and were that bad this year. Like, that, that's almost as inexplicable as anything. And from what we're hearing, um, you know, th- there's going to be 10 or 12 defections from that roster. I mean, yeah. Will, Will Bolt, Lance Harville, and his crew, uh, Jeff Christie, there's going to be a big turnover of roster on baseball, and that's coming. And some of it's already gotten out. Um, who is it? Uh, Leighton Banjoff. Yeah, Banjoff. Already announced. And there's a few others. And I don't, I don't want to um, – we've heard names, but we haven't confirmed them with the people themselves. But you're, you're going to see 10, 12 defections from from that baseball roster. Robert, I do want to hit on over-unders, though. They came out on Vegas Insider. In the Big Ten West, Wisconsin's number one with eight and a half. Nebraska's at seven and a half. Iowa's at seven and a half. Minnesota's at six and a half. They didn't have a Purdue one, but I would imagine Purdue somewhere at six and a half or seven and a half ish, too. Mm-hmm. But the Big Ten West is like a grab bag right now. Absolutely. And so, like, we're doing our uh, you know, big Big Ten opponent spring review, whatever. And like every West Division writer I've talked about says, there's no reason they can't compete for the West because the West is wide open. And so, you know, if if Nebraska somehow figures out a way to play up to their metrics and not lose in a devastating fashion at the very end. There's no reason they can't be in that conversation as well. I mean, let's not act like there's the the West is full of these like Titan teams. I mean, there's a bunch of, for the most part, above average to good teams in in the division that Nebraska going into this state, this point of, of frost tenure should, should be right in the mix of that conversation. So, um, you know, that, that may, puts a lot of intrigue into this year to where last year was really bad just with the, the win loss record. But 
if you believe that they truly were better than that record and they actually play up to that this year with all the new additions, the instant impact players they brought in, you know, that increases the level of optimism certainly more than what you thought it would be coming out of November. You're listening here to the Husker Alliance show as we talk over-unders. And, you know, one thing about Nebraska, I think there's a lot of people how, asking themselves, how can a three-win team have a seven-and-a-half over-and-a-half uh, total right now? Yeah. And a lot of that is the schedule. You look at Nebraska's first nine games on that schedule, they only play one team with an over-under higher than six-and-a-half, and that's Oklahoma, who's at nine-and-a-half. So theoretically, based on Nebraska's over-under win total, they only see one team in their first nine that has a higher over-under win total than Nebraska. So it is set up. I mean, if if it doesn't happen this year for Scott Frost, it's it, it it's it's just not meant to be at that point because there's never been a more favorable schedule. And we'll talk about this until I'm blue in the face. They got to win the Ireland game against Northwestern. That's yes, the key to the season, just like last year. I don't want to be sitting on a plane for eight hours flying home yeah. after a loss with a bunch of. Husker fans. Well, I mean, that would the, be a long trip. Yes, back. it absolutely would. And then you got to get right back up and play a, a game against North Dakota that nobody's going to be fired up about. And then you beat North Dakota and Georgia Southern. You're the exact same situation you were a year ago where you're two and one going at Oklahoma and no one really is all that fired up about you. Whereas, no one believes in you. Yeah. If you're three and oh, they be- uh, then that, that changes things. When you almost could be, I don't want to say ranked, but you could be. You'd be in the conversation. You mean a three yeah. and O team with a conference win. I mean, and nobody knows what Northwestern's going to be this year. So, I mean, that it's very much on the table for Nebraska to finally, for the first time in a long time, get off to a hot start. And early season momentum is so critical. We've seen it when, uh, time and again when they don't have it. It just gets your whole season off to an awful foot. Uh, but if you can actually start a year by winning three straight games for the first time under Scott Frost – Going into that Oklahoma game, you get it at home. It's probably going to be a nationally televised game. Like, there's a huge opportunity there that uh, going into that bye week, you could have some major momentum uh, with an opportunity to not only clinch a bowl berth, but uh, put yourself in interesting position going into those final four games, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, um, that might change your perception on on what this season could ultimately be. And nobody should say we're overhyping by saying Nebraska should be 3-0. They're going to be double-digit favorites in their yes. first three games. They're 10-and-a-half yes. right now in Northwestern, 10-and-a-half. Yes. And that that's the team they blew out over everybody last year on their mm-hmm. schedule. And I get it. Northwestern's silly. They, they do, They're a weird team. They do weird things and figure it out sometimes. If you go by their calendar, I think they went – they won – Yes, they won, they won the Big Ten West in 18, and then they won three games in 19. They won the Big Ten West in 20, and then they won three games in 21. So if you go by that clock, they should be the favorites to win the division. So <laughs> depending on how much stock you put into that. All right, we'll take your questions next in the mailbag with Abby Barmore. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on this Husker Online show, bringing you home on this Memorial Day weekend. Hope everyone's enjoying their extended time off uh, with family as we remember those who have fallen. But it's time now for the mailbag. Husker Online's Abby Barmore joining us here in studio. Abby, what do you have to lead us off with? Who are your projected starters for the defense given all the transfers? Well, I mean, there's... that. 
there's a lot there because um, we don't really know like the full makeup of the scheme, like what what they're gonna do as far as odd and even. Yeah, and like, looks. what do you list Garrett Nelson as? He's a is DN. He a DN or is he a linebacker? And is Caleb and Tanner gonna be on the field together? Um, we Mathis. know. Uh, well, we know that, but could you have Garrett O'Shawn and Caleb Tanner yeah, yeah, yeah. on the field yeah, yeah, at one yeah, time? Yeah. I mean, so. I think that's the question. I mean, we know Ty Robinson's going to be a starter in the middle somewhere. That interior spot with him, would it be Devin Drew? Would it be Stephon Wynn? Is it a 50-50 deal with those types of guys? Um, and then there's still a chance they can get the junior college player here too. Um, so there, there's a lot there. Linebacker, we know Snodgrass, or not Heinrich and um, Reimer. Reimer will be there, and Tanner should be there. Um, on the back end of the secondary, um, the, the two safeties now are Buford and, and um, Farmer. Farmer. And then you'll have Quentin Newsom and Tommy Hill at corner. And then I think the, the, the backup group is still pretty fluid. I mean, I don't know if you can just definitively say these are the backups. Mm-hmm. Like, where does Kane Williams fit in? You know, and, and does his situation alter like what a guy like Marcus Buford does? And so, like, there's all sorts of different variables here. But one thing that kind of stemmed from our, our chat was the Ty Robinson conversation. You still have him in ink as a starter. Ty Robinson? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even with the with the new additions? Yes. Like you don't think Wynn could unseat him? No. Okay. Ty Robinson, to me, is like the leader of the defense. The only reason I say that was because you look at his pro football focus grades and he was vastly the worst, like with, without question, of, of all that top group, like greater than like the 40s. So like, and his snaps went down towards the end of last year. I was just curious if there was anything to read into the way last season ended with the additions they brought in this off season, if that signified anything as far as his role. No, I think Ty Robinson's a guy and a starter. And I, I think if anything, they just need to have more pieces around him. You can't have Ty Robinson play 50 snaps, mm-hmm. 60 snaps. He's got to be, you know, around 40. I think towards the end of the year, there's games where he was in like the 20s. And a lot of it depends on the looks and the schemes, but no, I'll bet you a steak dinner he's a starter right now. All right. If you want to take me on that bet. All right. You, you, so you're saying you don't think Ty Robinson's a starter? I was just asking the question. All right. I'm not taking a stance. <laughs> Either way, all I know is that they brought in some big names at that position, and his numbers last year suggest that, I don't know, he's in that sure thing discussion. All right, Abby, what's next? In regards to the transfer portal this year, name your favorite Husker get, one you wish the Huskers got, and one you're glad the Huskers avoided. My favorite get is O'Shawn Mathis. Yeah, that's I mean, an easy one. Close second would be Trey Palmer. And as far as wish they would have gotten, um, the quarterback from Fresno State was the guy. Hayner. Uh, yeah, Jake Hayner, a former Washington Husky that transferred. He had 4,000 yards passing last year. And there were deep conversations. I mean, it it was fairly far along with the 23-year-old Hainer. And, it, you know, he's a double transfer, so it wasn't a guarantee. So that that's one, to me, he would have been, if they got him, they probably wouldn't have, they maybe would have taken Chubba Purdy still. But he was the original quarterback Frost wanted. And what was the, the third part of that again, Abby? When you're glad they didn't get. Glad they didn't get. I think we both said in the chat, Spencer Rattler. Yeah, Spencer. <laughs> well... <laughs> All because the Iowa Western quarterback that went to Iowa State tweeted that. And people actually believed that Spencer Rattler was on a visit at Nebraska. Yeah. I don't know. Like, there are a lot of people that were very high on him. And from a talent pro- standpoint, I get it. Uh, I just don't think there was a lot else there that would have done Nebraska much good. There, there's, there's a lot that comes with Spencer Rattler. I'll just say that. 
What do you got next? What's your take on Nebraska not providing the red balloons next season? Well, we talked about this in the previous segment. I really think as long as they're allowed in the stadium, there's going to be somebody that steps up to the plate and figures out to have balloons still. Yeah, I don't really care. Like, I get it as a tradition, and it's cool. Like, when you're in the stadium and, like, they score that first touchdown, especially when, like, it's a big game against a quasi-rival, and then they release the balloons, and it's that kind of, like, heavy fall air where they just kind of hover around the stadium for a while. It's a cool scene, and it's a cool tradition. You know, I guess I'm sure there's logistics behind not doing it, so I, I guess I understand, but I don't think their balloons are going away, and I think in the end this is kind of a moot conversation that is creating something to talk about in May. Trev Albert said that they would try – they're working with the marketing team to do something different to keep the red balloons – tradition alive so what are some ideas they could keep that going <laughs> i know they do like with basketball they do the phone app thing oh, yeah. to where like they all you hold your phone up with your app open and it lights up so maybe like, that's too high tech yeah i know well i mean it's cool when it works they did they made it work at basketball you've games got but down that's fifteen thousand people yeah i mean trying to, to get like 90. bill and betty from hastings to download the app and do <laughs> my the, flip phone doesn't have that I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's just not gonna work you know yeah. So, I mean, I, that's one thing that came to mind. Maybe you pass out like, like pom poms or something like that that you can shake because I know like Penn State does that and it looks super cool. Uh, I don't know. There's, I'm sure there's things you can do, but again, the balloon, the thing, balloons are, it was Nebraska's thing. And that's why people are so uh, opinionated on it one way or the this other. This is Trev Alberts, Herbie Husker, Bill Byrne moment. Exactly. And <laughs> we saw how that Bill Byrne had to bring back Herbie in a different way. But all right, Abby, what do you have next? We talked about the projected starters on defense, but let's dive in a little bit to the linebackers. The inside linebacker room seems a little thin with the injuries, especially if these guys can't come back. So how is that group going to shake out, especially with those injuries right now? So I got a little intel on that. We know who the top three pretty much are today. Right. Reimer, Henrich, Snodgrass. But keep your eyes on the freshman Ernest Hausman from Columbus, mm. Nebraska. Little birdie told me, um, that we should probably be including him in the discussion because um, Barrett Rood and the, the program are very high on this kid. So, I mean, like, would you put him over Mauga Clements right now? Because he got a lot of talk this spring. Um, I think you know what you have in Mauga Clements. He's been here a long time, mm -hmm. and this kid has a better body, a better frame, and more upside. So that's how coaches generally go. They, they, they go for the upside versus, like, what you know you have. So I think they're really excited about him. Clements would be the guy tentatively based on like what you know now, but I think long-term by the middle of the year or as the year moves on, it could be um, Hausman. Hausman, yeah. So and another thing to keep in mind with this is, yeah, Reimer and uh, Henrich have kind of gone through their injuries, but they also played the third and fourth most snaps of any defensive player last season. They were both over well over 700. So while they might be a little nicked up here and there, they're about as durable as it gets um, at that position. So they ho hopefully will not need to go too far down that depth chart uh, this season. All right, Abby, we have time for one more question. What was your favorite all-time Nebraska football game? All-time that you attended in person. You, you, yeah, yeah, okay. Attended in person, you can't say the national title games if, if you went to those. Well, I went to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> that, that would not rank up there. <laughs> um, up but the O... Okay, the 94 Nebraska-Colorado game for me was one of my all-time favorites. Um, I was a student in high school, or eighth grade, eighth grade, and 
my dad had two tickets in the south end zone, and everybody wanted to go to that game. I mean, it was college game day. It was an 11 a.m. game, ABC. It was basically like a two-versus-three or one-versus – I mean, it was almost a one-versus-two type game. And so my dad got me a ticket, but I sat in the student section by myself as like an eighth-grade kid. Mm-hmm. God bless the 80s and the 90s oh, yeah. <laughs> to send your kid to a, sit by themselves at a Husker game. Um, Different world. But, yeah, I, I sat in the student section as an eighth-grade kid by myself and watched that game. And my other real favorite game was the 05 Alamo Bowl. Were you there, Robin? I was there. And just that I Michigan. Was walking around on the field while the play was still going on. They were still trying to <laughs> tackle the lateral to not lose the game in the most epic fashion possible. And, you know, at the time, it wasn't a high-profile bowl game. It was like 8-4 and four versus mm-hmm. like 8-4 and four or something. 7-5. I don't know what Michigan's yeah, record was. Like but you had Mike Tirico with Kirk Herbstreet. And was Aaron Andrews on the sidelines? Possibly. I mean, it was like a Super Bowl broadcast team calling the Alamo Bowl. And... Sold out in the in the dome, all Nebraska fans mainly, but Michigan they they were so much more talented than Nebraska. Yeah, they had I mean, multiple NFL guys. I mean, it it was like an NFL team, and Nebraska was like you had like Adam Ickes like putting his shoulder back in place to go out and cover kicks. And Corey Ross had the game of his life. Blake Tiki just flying down and like you know with no respect for his life just. <laughs> <laughs> jumping in the air at Steve Breston. I mean, there, there were just like moments like, man, this is Nebraska football, like small town Nebraska type guys, not giving a you know what, mm-hmm. taking down first rounders and Zach Taylor just getting smoked and they won that game. Yeah. For me, it's got to be the 01 Nebraska Oklahoma game uh, just because that was the last time Nebraska was really there at the pinnacle. That was a good game. Win, I, winning that game. I mean, that was like. I mean, as far as like games that I've been to, by far the most meaningful game. Uh, but there's other mo- like moments, like the what was it, '08 Colorado game where they blocked the field. Or Henry hit the field goal, and then Sue took back the the interception or whatever for the touchdown. Like that game was awesome, just from like being there. Like that, the decibel level that that crowd reached on those two things was insane and then someone brought up a good one on the board the 14 miami game oh that was great just from like how different the vibe was in memorial stadium than any other game i've experienced like the level of hostility was the highest it's it's ever been or at least that i've people ever stayed seen. there till the very end yeah people were out for blood and like that was like a, a totally different they weren't clapping for their opponent they hated miami and they made it clear they hated miami from the very and the randy gregory almost warm-ups. got in that fight yeah gregory and like was everybody awesome. was like abdullah was a beast god that game was awesome abdullah ran his i yes, mean he did oh my god i mean <laughs> yes, that was an incredible and under the lights where when we went to Miami, unfortunately, that was like a mid afternoon yeah, game thousand degrees. It was so it was hot. Miserable. I mean, we were just sweating um, at that game, uh, maybe from the night before a little bit, too, in, in <laughs> South Beach. But on action. Um, but yeah, that there, Abby, let, show your age and tell our listeners what your most memorable Nebraska game is that you've attended in person. Mine was the 2016 okay. Oregon game. Oh, that was a good one. oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I was at that one. It was like the 350th sellout. Yeah. Yeah. They won, like they stopped them, like the Oregon last kept three going minutes for two they and scored. Missing. Yeah, yeah, they had a big defensive stop at the end. What year were you born again? Ninety-eight. Okay. So yeah, I was not a really alive yeah. for any you, of the. You missed out on a lot of the heyday the there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, when we uh, come back, we'll close the show. Uh, updated some roster news and basketball and more. You're listening to the Husker Online. This is HuskerOnline.com, 
your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Been a fun show here on this Memorial Day weekend edition. As uh, Let me tell you, Robin, month of June is going to be pretty crazy. And we'll talk more about that next week. Yes. A little tease, but yes, we'll have some announcements maybe of some sort next week on the show. So Stay tuned. Stay tuned for June 1. Uh, when we drop our next show of the Husker Online show, we might have a new guest on on the show with us, too. Somebody else Man. that might get your interest. Bart Scott can't wait. So make sure you tune in um, and are logged on to HuskerOnline.com as we'll have uh, plenty of things going on here in the next week. Um, but I want to talk basketball, Robin. We're kind of closing the book on things. Our friend Lat Mayen officially has moved on. He's back in Australia. Uh, man, Lat Mayen, by the way, that guy has traveled the world. He really has. Born in South Sudan, grew up in Australia, uh, went to TCU, TCU, and then to Florida, to Chipola Junior College, and then to Lincoln. Now he's back in Australia. So he is a, a very worldly young man. I asked him, I go, what kind, you've been everywhere. Like, what kind of food do you actually like? Because that guy, I mean, literally, like, he's had, like, every type of yeah. food in the world where he's lived all these places uh, but yeah he's moved on and that, that's not a surprise no knew that was coming for a long time now and in fact i mean it was kind of one of those deals where like it was already just a uh you know assumed deal that didn't even really check into it until i saw on twitter people some writers in australia were talking about his debut in his first professional game I was like oh well he's playing pro I'm assuming he's gone officially, and so I was able to confirm that and uh, officially close the book on the Latman era at Nebraska. So as a result, that leaves the one last quote-unquote unknown on Nebraska's roster being Trey McGowan's. He's in the same situation as Lat where he potentially could come back for another season with the COVID year. Um, he's still going through the pre-draft process. He's in Las Vegas training with his brother. He was actually just out in Chicago uh, with Bryce during the combine and um, participated in the Rock Nation um, sports agency pro day that they had there. So he's still going all in on uh, you know the, the professional ranks. And um, I've reached out to him a couple times, just get ask for an update, no, no response yet. So basically it's one of those deals where, for one, Nebraska doesn't have a scholarship for him. Right now with Trey technically still on board, they're at 14 of their 13 allotted scholarships. So someone would have to leave for him to come back. And then also um, he has June one. That's the deadline for the NCAA early entry withdrawal deadline. So uh, that will kind of clear things up. So if he is going to stay in the draft, that's the cutoff there. Um, so you know, there's, a, I guess, technically still some time for this to play out, but uh, you can basically chalk it up as Trey McGowan's has played his last game as a Husker. Uh, they're moving on without him, especially when you take into account last week's news where they just took a guard from the transfer portal in Emmanuel Bandamel, who does a lot of the same things Trey McGowan's does as far as being an elite level on ball defender and, uh, you know, another you know scoring option on the perimeter. So that all being said, it appears that the roster is in place. It's just a formality of when the Trey McGowan's news is going to come down and become official. Uh, but uh, you look at the scholarship number, it's it's a different looking group than what we've seen under Fred Hoiberg. And I, what I mean by that is they didn't go after a lot of the highest profile transfers. and or They did, but they didn't get them. But the guys they brought in all kind of checked the same boxes where they're older, 
They've won a lot of basketball games in their career. They've played a lot of college basketball games in their career, and they're vocal leaders. Uh, I think every one of those guys, between Sam Griesel, Emmanuel Bandamel, and uh, Juwan Gary, all bring kind of a different intangible to this roster that Nebraska's really been lacking. They haven't had guys willing to step up and say the things that are needed to be said, or at least not enough of them. Now you have those three with Derek Walker, with CJ Wilcher, with, um, I didn't throw Cron McPherson in that as far as being a legitimate vocal leader. So there's a different dynamic with this group where on paper, it's hard to say they're as talented, maybe even as, as last year's team was going into the season, but they might be better equipped to survive in the big 10 with just the, the defensive oriented nature of, of the roster. And then the veteran presence that they have, and then the leadership that they have. So if nothing else, it should be a different looking group than what we've seen the last three years, which based on the last three years, that was something that absolutely needed to happen. You're listening here to the Husker online show. When you talk about just like point distribution, Robin, do you just envision kind of a bunch of like 10 to 13 point guys in there? I mean, there's, there's not going to be the 18 or 17 guy that, but that's a good thing. I mean, because, in some ways, the last couple of years, at times, it felt like Bryce got maybe extra shots that could have helped other guys. Yeah, I mean, you go down the line, and there's been guys... Teddy Allen. T- taking way too many shots, and the ball sticks. And for Fred's system to work, the ball can't stick. And so, yeah, I agree. I, I think that they have a bunch of guys that could be in that 8 to 12 range, and that might not be a bad thing. That's the big question right now, is who will be that go-to scorer? Because uh, they missed on um, uh, Antonio Reeves. They missed on um, uh, Baylor Shireman. And so those are the two kind of go-to scores they were trying to get through the portal. They didn't get them, and so they kind of heel pivot and get Emmanuel Bandamel, who averaged 10 points a game last year and you know shot like a, a respectable 35% from three-point range. So like scoring is not his M.O. And you could say the same thing with Sam Griesel and uh, with Juwan Gary. None of those guys were elite-level scorers, and so... Who's going to be that go-to guy? That remains to be seen. And that is by far the biggest question right now. But like I said, they were able to supplement in other areas where they're, they should be a much better defensive team. They should be a much better rim-protecting team. They should be a much better rebounding team just with the roster that they have in place and the makeup of it. So that's why I say there, there's intrigue here. I mean, there's not a lot to get excited about, but uh, it should be a different-looking team and We'll see what that means as far as their competitiveness in the Big Ten. All right. Well, lots to keep up with on the site. As we mentioned, um, recruiting's going to get crazy. Um, none this weekend as far as visitors go. But starting June 3rd, every weekend through June, it's going to be nuts. So make sure you're on Husker Online. Also, some big stuff being announced. Um, and you'll want to be with us here on the show next week as well as on HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 